Make we tell you, dance and no waste like a disgrace. If you think a joke, take a walk in a deep place. In a corner, me see face cool face. If you ever walk near a man's shoes, yes. Big bad man up a gun up a waist and a Heineken dust in a your face. One blood sound, one back with water, pumpy with cool and deadly. Dance you're too punker. Make man a move in the dance like junkie. We want back, we want a pumpy, we cool and deadly. Figure dancing below it. They might dance you're too punker. Gunshot a bus. Hey, smoke is a in the 70s dance all used tonight. The attendance, my mom, for first choice. Those days, dancers like a paradise. No dance and no This is the Black Russian Podcast, raw and uncut on YouTube. And if you're getting this on Podomatic, just you already got the music and the intro and stuff like that. But for those who don't, don't, those who don't, this is the Black Russian Podcast, episode 36. It is. I am Tion Buku One. I am Yula. The Park Wanger. 
And yeah, we are here live and direct. It's been hard to get time to sit still and do the podcast. No, it's not. It's not? No. What happens? You just don't want to do it after a certain hour. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just, yes, that makes it the same thing. Is that it's hard to get there in the time, and then we get there, and it's like, ah, it's time to chill, do it tomorrow. Do the next day, and then there's all types of stuff we do, you do. There's the gym to go to. There's, there's the, the gym. All these things. So, you know, we're here. We do them when we do them, how we do them, and you guys get to receive them as they come, and we appreciate you guys for listening, and we get the privilege of doing this for you. Um, before we go into the recap and other things, we'd like to say this. We are not advocates of any particular style of relationship. No style is more or less divine than the other. So we don't care about monogamy, non-monogamy, polyamory, la, 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 la. It's all about the energy, the quality of work that's put in between the two people or peoples and the work mostly we put into ourselves and how we show up to these things. So our goal and what we try to advocate is freeing up from any mandated style of relationship. The assumptive mandates, like assumptive that when you get serious monogamous is the way and the only way. Or if you're supposedly woke, non-monogamy and polyamory is the only way. The reality is we're probably all of those things. There's some things we're very monogamous at for certain times, then we're not. Then we're more open and we want to integrate with more people. The bottom line is it should be something that we are get to choose by ourselves and supported by other people, not mandated because we made a decision 10 years ago to be this way and now we're this way for the rest of our lives. Because reality is we're probably not much of the same person 10 years later as we were 10 years before anyways. So that's my disclaimer, our disclaimer that we usually share. And um, so we should get into the recap of episode 35, which is our narrative. Ooh, yeah, yeah, it's been a while, yeah, take a look. So it was about our narrative, basically, you know, the lens that we look through when we tell our stories, when we look back in our past, as well as like when we tell stories now about who we are, um, when we hear things from other people, we a lot of times make sure that's filtered based upon our narrative. So they may say one thing, but due to how we're feeling, how our traumas are, or what narrative we told ourselves, we filter it so it fits that. And so it was a pretty interesting and a good podcast. If you haven't heard it, episode 35. What do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I never thought about of myself as telling a narrative. I think, you know, I definitely thought of myself as, well, I live how I live. And, you know, when I speak, there's a purpose to it, but it's usually balanced and turns out that it's not. You know, I think that it's... Uh, it's really cool to walk into a conversation thinking that you're just walking into a normal everyday conversation and then someone takes their time to point out, look, actually you're bending this narrative this way. And it's not a good thing or a bad thing, it's just, you know, just take a look, you're bending it. I think without uh, someone pointing that out, it's really hard to, uh, to understand that. Right. And we're usually, uh, all of us are used to our way of telling stories without thinking about it. And until someone points that out, we're like, yeah, no, we're just, you know, this is my truth and this is what I want to share and this is how I share it. It's really interesting to 
uh, start noticing how we tell things or how people tell things. Right. And then just start asking questions. Why? Like, what's your goal? What else are you? What else uh, you know is there, and you're not saying? Right. And I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, you can go pretty far with it. You know, uh, because there are narratives everywhere, and they're on, always on multiple layer uh, levels. I, I told you today, one of our friends sent out like a Christmas, uh, uh, you know, card with like a whole uh, summary of the of the family uh, last year, right? right Which right. I think is a really cool thing to do. My first thought is, I would love to read the separate narratives of each individual person's story of 2018 you know because you get that front facing narrative and right. then there is a lot of different narratives behind it so you know i mean i i think it's cool some a lot of the times um it's it's really innocent but then there are times when it's not yeah and a lot of times um our narratives whether good or bad or whether we are we make ourselves always the hero or make ourselves always the villain, or always the vic, always the victim. Um, it's not about good or bad, but we usually have a common theme in our narratives. So whether we're talking about this or that, or from the past or from anything, we tend to color it in a similar way. So you, when you when you're around somebody long enough, if you pay attention, you can you notice their narrative. Yeah. Like I always notice you're always the the victim in this, or you're always the hero in this. Like what else? You know, like. I always hear this, but I don't ever hear that. Why do you steadily omit that? I notice right. these and that. Um, and it's just more for us to be self-aware. It's not for us to call bullshit on somebody. Um, it's not somebody not this is not used to call somebody a liar. It's just for each other when you're building with your partner or with yourself to have someone point out like, hey, you notice that you always tell the story and it's always this way. It always ends this way with you being this or that. Why is that? And for us to be able to ponder that, a lot of times, unfortunately, though, we get very self-defensive when someone calls us on things, or I even ask us questions, we get defensive, um, and then we get derailed into some other shit. The reality is, none of us really see the full reality. We only see our perception of it based upon the way we perceive things, our trauma, how we were raised, what culture we're brought up in, and how we're feeling. Um, you know, if I'm in low vibration, I may not be able to hear somebody's. Uh, story as good as if I'm a high vibration I may get offended by something they say and shut my brain off or something like that so all these things play a role in how we receive a story and how we tell a story so it's very fascinating to kind of go a little deeper into that and how we've, we kind of fell into a conversation you know and then you know uh, it was it was interesting because uh, just as we did the episode um, our oldest one was in New Zealand finishing up her study abroad and she sent me, she shared her final paper with me and it was on uh, protection of the nature in New Zealand, but it was told from two separate narratives. It was told from, you know, there's two separate narratives going on and they're conflicting. There's the government of New Zealand that is uh, looking at, that looks at uh, at the country as you know being in need of protection because they own it and they need to protect it for future generations and then there is a narrative as sold by the natives where there is no ownership the concept of ownership of the land is ridiculous because you can't own the air you can't own the land 
I mean, that's how native, all native people right. uh, treat the land. And naturally, when you don't own it, you will protect it because it provides you with means of livelihood. And you have this respect. So both, uh, you know, the government is uh, doing whatever they're doing to protect it, but they're doing it from the ownership standpoint. And uh, natives are like, you don't need to do any of it, just don't own it and treat it with respect. Right. And it's all good. So, uh, you know, those are two narratives on the political side. And I think there are a lot of, like, you know, if we start questioning narratives, we're going to start looking beyond the headlines, you know, beyond, um, the, any like tweets of you know certain people and just start understanding more of what is that narrative why are they doing this you know where does that lead to there's an agenda behind it what is it right so it's good to know if you haven't checked out that episode you should episode 35 about narrative so that's that one this one is about we didn't cover the title yet but by the time you see this it'll probably have a title <laughs> This one is basically uh, because it's been so long uh, between the episodes, I started compiling things that um, I wanted to talk about. And we will see what the most prominent part of the, of the episode is. And I'm yeah. sure Tion will use his creative imagination to title it yeah. something cool. It's like a freestyle poo-poo platter. We just gather try to do in between episodes um, and just gather, listen, read stuff, talk to people, scratch our temple, row our chin, and Eula is now the one who takes these notes. Uh, and then sometimes one of those becomes a whole episode. Sometimes something we have a plan for one episode and then something happens and then that becomes the episode. So nothing happened, which that, is in right? our world. That's not the reason news. why we have yeah. a podcast. <laughs> Nothing um, happened. You know. This is good news, and uh, we have an episode to share, but we also have quotes. Yeah, so we'll get in the quotes, and then we'll run it down. So, do you have quotes ready? Yes, I okay, do. You can do your quotes all the time. All, right. all of mine come from the Buddha, and one I really want to talk about. All right, peace comes from within. Do not seek it without. That one is. Pretty self-explanatory. I think all of us that try to seek it from the outside uh, inevitably fail at right. some point. Things blow up and then we're like, oh, that wasn't it, so I have to go look for it again. Right. Um, this one I'm really feeling, and it probably is my old age speaking. It's interesting what happens as we start getting older. I'm going to be 48, uh, and there's a timer in my head. And it's really obvious that I will not repeat today. And that's something new that I started feeling this year. And I think it's one of the most important tools that I found for myself to remember to be grateful every day and wake up in a good mood regardless of what happens. And, you know, if I'm not in a good mood, find my way out of whatever mood I'm in as fast as possible because today's not going to repeat itself. Uh, so Buddha puts it in, the trouble is, you think you have time. Mm -hmm. uh, that one's, I like that. This one is something I wanted to talk to you about. Yes. And it says, wear your ego like a loose-fitting garment. Yeah. 
I knew you would like that. Yeah. What does that say to you? I wear my garment like a loose-fitting ego. I, re- I do both. It's a reverse. You can do both. Because you need room. You gotta change it up. You can't be so rigid about your ego. I mean, yeah, I think it's a different way of putting it, but to me, it says don't be attached to it, don't let it be attached to you. Oh. Like, you know, like cling to you? Right. Like, don't, right. you know, don't let it cling to you because, you know, like, ego's always around. We've already right. talked about it. You can't or nor should you get rid of your ego. Right. But you can't be married to it. You can't, uh, it cannot be representing what you are at all right. times. So keeping it loose, like a loose fitting garment, it's like it's around, but it's not like on top of right. it. Right. And what we've been talking about a lot too, is we'll get more into that later, um, is yeah, like there's always a war on ego. And so what happens is when you declare war on someone, they immediately go into defense and they find ways to survive. They're not, and that's using the shadows and covertly. If you take, if you go to war with your ego, your ego is not going to die. Your ego is going to find ways to go covert and sabotage your shit. So, understanding that all the all the parts of our personality that we have are here for a reason. They're part of the team. Um, maybe just the position the ego is playing may be the issue. It has a say. It should have a role at the table. It shouldn't just be the only voice at the table, and it shouldn't be the main point of reference for who you are and what you do. Um, so it's, it's finding a way to love your ego and finding a nice place for it without just eradicating it or just completely making it be the dictator of your life. Don't wear it like yoga pants. Don't wear your ego like yoga pants. That's like, that's a new twist on Buddha's quote. There you go. <laughs> wear your ego like a hip-hop person in the 90s wore it. It's like Jabot's hanging baggy and everything, you know, he'll figure all big. <laughs> Is that three? Mm-hmm. All right. So my quotes, he's all, you can't control how other people receive your energy. Anything you do or say gets filtered through the lens of whatever they're going through at the moment, which is not about you. Just keep doing your thing with as much integrity and love as possible. And it's really hard for to understand that both as it comes out and receives um, because you know we think a lot of times that we're speaking very clearly, and they—I can't believe they're not agreeing with me or not understanding what I'm saying. Um, and a lot other times, the other way around, like they're saying one thing, and I'm like, the way you're saying that is hitting me in a way that I'm not feeling. And they're like, no, that's not what I mean. And what we don't realize is we all have different languages, even though we're using the same language of English or whatever. It's just we have different languages, different use for words. Um, and sometimes you just got to realize, like, you do your best and try to explain, um, but try to give room for understanding. There's going to be room for misunderstanding and room for clarification without hopefully we're setting fires to each other and getting defensive and fighting and stuff. What's that? <laughs> yes. I raised my hand. Yes, you, you did. Know, you can be called waiting. on. Yes. So, you know, the most important part to me that stood out from there mm-hmm. is that it's not about you. Right. Like, we make everything about us right. at all times. It's really hard to not make something not be not about us. Right. Yeah, this is and reality true. is, it's not. And that's a hard part to understand. Most of the things that we get annoyed with is when people don't make it about us. Or, you know. Right. When, but then they make it about them, and then we get upset. 
Like, what about what about me? Well, what about me? Right. So that's a good one. Another one is an unhealed person can find offense in pretty much anything someone does. A healed or healing person understands that the actions of others have absolutely nothing to do with them. Each day you get to decide which one you will be. Yes. Would you like to add on to that? Well, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's not about you. Right. It ties into that. And, um, you know, but being able to choose which one we're going to be is an important part. That's what stood out most to me is like each day we get to choose. Are we going to be the person that's going to look for understanding and look for um, a way to embrace and understand what's going on with somebody else, even if they're not giving you what you want? Or are we going to be the ones to, you know, blame stuff like that? And sometimes you're just in the mood and you're like, fuck you. Yeah, sometimes it's just, you know, chuck it in the fucking bucket. Yeah. Um, and then this one is one that it's not, I don't have a gripe with it, but I want to add an amend to it. I think when we sometimes there's quotes that uh, we read that we really feel and we just move on as if that's a complete thought. And it, to me, this one needs more expanding. So it says, if we fully understood the power of sexual energy, we would refrain from casual sex. Sex is sacred and to be shared with authentic purity of both partners. Sexual energy is intense and can heal the universe through vibration when two people join together and share their souls together. DNA is exchanged during sex. You imprint yourself on another. Mindful sex is important. And for the most part, you're like, yeah, I'm feeling that, and I am. I think, you know. Um, but I like to go, for one, that's not every beneficial reason people have sex. Um, and at the same time, with your partner, automatically assumes that it's one person you should only be having sex with, and the rest would be casual or a waste of it, a waste of energy or sexual energy. Um, and I have issue with that because obviously it's still fitting an old narrative that monogamy is the most divine thing ever. And it's not as a template. It could be for some. It could be the worst thing for others. Um, and anything mandated, eventually you outgrow. But also, my thing is why just leave it with sexual energy? Sexual energy is energy. Just like any of our other energies, if we expend our energy in activities and people that are not positive and beneficial to us, we will feel the same way. It's not a good thing. If we spend too much time in idle chatter, it may not bear us the fruit that we're looking for. So we should be mindful of how we spend our energy regardless of if it's sex because you can be as devastated or as uplifted through energy, through conversation, or through dance, or through teaching. So it's not that sex is the most divine thing. It can be because it, it calibrates different energies in you that, that arises different emotions. But that doesn't mean it's the most divine. Most people are more moved by words and other actions in sex. Those other things tend to shape our lives much more than our sexual experiences. So think about it. Think about all of our traumas and all of our cultural presets. They didn't come from sex. They came from parents. They came from society. They came from friends. They came from imagery we see around us. So it's energy. It's not just sexual energy. And it's not just sexual energy with a partner. 
It's your sexual energy with whoever you choose to sh share it with should be something that is vetted and not be taken lightly. I like the more expanded thing. And also the reality is um, sex doesn't always have to be the most divine thing. You can have healthy sex where it's for sport. You can have healthy sex where it's for ex exploration. I do believe that we should be very aware of the energy that we intake and that we share, but that's more in the intention versus the one or just sexual energy. Get in there, girl. I think that the argument that you have with whoever wrote this quote probably lies in the definition of casual. Well, yeah. But, well, there in this statement, the context casual is the antithesis of right. divine. Well, which right. Which is like cheap. And then, right. In casual, like, so, you know, uh, a one-time encounter can be super cheap, yeah. not casual at all. But it will be considered casual by the standards because, you know, maybe it was not the one to put in. Yeah. People measure, measure not, depth with time, which is not always the case. That's yeah, another thing I that, you know. That, I think that most of it lies into in these strict definitions of what things mean. And, you know, everyone agrees with it without thinking about it. Yeah. There's a lot of coded assumption in that statement, and a, a, the, the gist of it, the root of it, is very, very good, and I agree with it. Um, but we have to be careful with how we phrase things um, because it fits a narrative. It ties into a narrative that depth is and divine is with your partner, and it's over a length of time. Anything less than that is less divine or casual, meaning cheap, mm -hmm. and energy is does not uh it's not confined by time or space you can meet somebody and spend a day with them and it'll be deeper than you spent time with someone who spent a year with you it's not just time it's the energy it's the purpose it's the message and the nourishment we provide each other so when we solely start judging or or metric or creating metrics about physical realm Stuff, object referral stuff like time. Oh man, they've been married for 60 years. Oh, good, good blessing. That must be it. Like, time alone doesn't mean that. Some person could have had an amazing marriage that lasted five years and that was it. But that could have been more beneficial and impactful than someone who's been married, than a marriage for 20, 30, 40 years. It just depends on what's in it. There's not enough information with just the amount of time that people have been together or how long the courtship was or any of that stuff. So that was my little thing. Everything else is in there, and I usually follow and um, support a lot of the person's quotes that, that does that. So, yep, that's that, 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 that's that, 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 Bam. So. What is your transition music? It's already going to be in there by the time you hear this. Unless you're watching on YouTube, you get the raw. You get to see the shirts. You get to see the daily gratitude. You get to see I'm wearing my turquoise Wu-Tang. Because we're talking about relationships today. Not just relationship stuff, relationship stuff. Relationships? Well, yeah, okay. So we're going to spin the ball in Yoda's head. And what is the first thing you want to talk about? I want to talk about closed state versus open state. Okay, what the hell is that? So, as. Uh, 
Most people that know me know that I ponder a lot. Yes. And I like spending a lot of time figuring my own shit out. And then usually when I spend enough time, uh, the thing is, Yes, F I like epiphanies, <laughs> but yes, it's epiphanies. <laughs> epiphanies. Yeah. That's true, it could be your own thing. It could be a Yoda epiphany. I can have a lot of them. Yes. I need like a shirt with my... Yodaisms. You, yeah. like, you can be like E40, but your own way. Code your own words. <laughs> yeah. It's not on purpose. Alright, so epiphanies. Epiphanies. Oh, no, you're choosing to go yeah. with that. Okay, my bad, my bad. Yes. Uh, and this one, uh, you know, I think is a result of years of uh, trying to force myself out of a state that no longer helped me. And I realized that I get into something that, uh, you know, sensitive, scary, upsetting, and I close down. And when I close down, that's a result of, you know, that's a protection mode. Right. You know, I, I'm upset about something, I'm concerned, I'm scared, so I need to protect myself, right? Supernatural. Right. Same way we protect our kids. They get afraid, they run to us, we hug them and we keep them safe, uh, and they're close. So I close myself down in order to uh, stop being concerned. And that state no longer helps me feel good. Right. And I was like, why is that happening? Like, well, when I shut down, I shut everything else out. You know, basically it becomes me and my ego in an echo cha chamber. Right. And then I mm. cannot work through anything that I need to work through uh, without the end result of that work being, fuck it all, it's not cool, get out. Right. You know? But because I've been around long enough and uh, I've learned to not just listen to my mind and my ego, but I mostly rely on my intuition, I'm like, that does not sound right. Like, that just not, that, that's not where I want to be. And then I realized that for me to get out of that state, the only way that I can do it is to basically force myself to be open. Right. Uh, so at some point, I got to realize that, okay, I'm closed down, I'm right. shut down, and now I need to figure out how to get myself to be open. And that's a process. It doesn't happen... Sometimes it actually happens overnight, like a lot of my ponderings happen overnight. And like cool things happen when I realize, oh wow, I actually have been, the reason why I haven't been sleeping, the reason why my mind doesn't stop is because I shut all the outside, you know, energies literally out. Right. And it's me and my ego and we're basically having this you know, party between two of us and they're just not going anywhere and they feel stuck. Right. They feel frustrated. And it used to be that, you know, like that state resulted in, you know, I, you start blaming people around you. Right. Right? You start being like, oh, it's him so-and-so, you know, him doing his thing is making me feel this way, so let me try and manipulate him out of it. 
or you know let me try and let him know how I feel or you know like our natural uh, go-to is not into our inside of ourselves right our natural go-to is go find the source of that discomfort and go blame them and that you know the benefit of us being together for this long and going through all this stuff for this long is that eventually I learn and <laughs> You know, when I learn, I start being able to put two and two together and be like, you know, like those, the, the times when I start feeling resentful I, and I start going after Tion to make him feel bad or blame him for something have never resulted in anything good for either of us. Right. And I know that and I don't like it. So what's the alternative? Well, alternative is to invite other voices inside, right. inside my head, other voices, our other energies, and uh, realize that the things that I'm sensitive to, the things that I'm afraid of, uh, you know, anything that I uh, am running away from, is only bad because I'm scared. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm only scared because my ego is feeling threatened you know and when i don't get any other input that's all i hear but then the process of actually forcing myself to stay open is something that i think i'm learning how to do and inevitably uh it's like i like like letting fresh air in right and inevitably, you know, I calm down, life, you know, uh, gains color again, goes from black and white to like happy, colorful, and gradually I'm like, oh, I can breathe. Oh, life is actually good. Nothing has changed other than me, you know, uh, going from shut down to open. Right. Um, so, you know, when I thought that it was really, uh, super interesting when I actually was able to understand the difference between closed state and open state right and learn when I get into the closed state and learn the symptoms right to be able to check the gauges to, to know when you've merged you've, you've shifted lanes into the space and yeah right to be able to eventually be like oh that's where I'm at right this is where I'm at okay now I know it's like a road map Right. You know, you know where you're at. It takes a while. It can take you. It can take me two weeks. Right. You know, it's not like an. It's not an instant thing, because everything in 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 our beings happens. Uh, you know, sometimes everything happens super fast, but usually it's a gradual process. Right. And you start, you know, declining, shutting down, uh, not talking about certain things, you know, avoiding thinking about certain things, and then you find yourself in this hole. Right. Um, you know, so I feel like the whole, and you know, you and I talked about it, the whole process of what happens is, you know, we get scared, upset, sensitive, right? And then the ego, like our concerned parent, right. runs to hug us and keep us close and be like, I'm gonna protect you. Yep. Which is, that's the role of the ego. Yeah. So don't worry about it. I got it. Right. I'll take care of it. And then all of the voices are shut down. Like the ego's like, look, look, spirit, look, I, I have no time for this right now. 
I gotta make sure this person's safe. So I'm gonna handle this, don't worry about it, I got you covered. Yep. Yeah, it's like the instinct of what happens when uh, you know our kids are upset, when they fall down. Like we instinctively, it's really hard as a parent to do something other than you know, run, run over and do anything you can, whatever you can, to just stop them from being upset. Right, right. And that's, you know, like internally, the egos are our parents, so, you know, it runs to our rescue and everything gets shut down. Uh, and then when everything gets shut down, we're really left with the devices that we have inside of our mind. Right. And minds, you know, will typically use a very logical approach based on what it knows, <clears throat> and it only knows what it's learned from the outside. Right. Like, so all the preconceived notions. You know, whenever we're faced with a situation that is not standard, whether it's your relationship, you know, whether it's our relationship and I'm sensitive, uh, whether it's our kids and, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm upset or concerned or scared, uh, if we close everything down and it's between now our mind and our ego, we're going to default to what we know, and what we know is what we grew up with. Right. So we're going to go to the standard relationship uh, system. We're going to go to the whatever uh, parental you know, guidance we received when we were little or when we grew up. We're going to do want to do what our parents did. and most likely it's not going to be the answer. Right. And in that space, um, what, what our energy and our feelings are doing, this is based upon our premise that we believe that everything we do is based upon feelings, to avoid or to attain feelings. Uh, and comfort is one of the most powerful feelings that we, we clam to. Yeah. So in state of crisis, we're looking for comfort. Yeah. We're looking for comfort. Comfort means stability. Comfort doesn't always mean the right thing. But like she's saying, when you're in a state of crisis, you will resort back to whatever you know that makes you feel comfortable. And for some people, that could be rage. It could be out. It could be lashing out. It could be blaming somebody else and retreating. It could be not speaking. It could be medicating or whatever. And it doesn't always mean it's the right thing, but it's whatever our default comfort zone is. Um, I mean, think about comfort food. Whenever we're, ups we're upset or we're sick, what's the well, like? What what are the qualities of comfort food? Right. They're usually not the best. That's usually not the best food for us. Right. It's but, a quick fix. But it makes us feel nostalgic. It's something that my mom gave me when I was little and I was sick. That's usually our comfort food. Right. It's like an injection. It's like you know when a kid's really hungry and they're just you know all over the place. You give them candy. And, but that alone doesn't nourish them. It just stops the bleeding enough for then hopefully there's another part to that, which is then you give them food. Um, it's the same thing with, you know, when we have low self-esteem or when we're feeling hurt. We, our, our ego naturally looks for like, okay, how can I take my little kid out to make them feel better right away? Like if, you're, if your little kid, if your daughter, your son's in a bad mood or they had a bad day or they, you know, their friend had a birthday party and they weren't invited, you know, you, they feel all sad, and the, what you first thing we want to do a lot of times is let's go buy them something. Let's go buy them a toy. Let's go just a quick fix to get them out of that, as opposed to like being able to help them understand that sometimes it's just not going to be that way. But as adults, we do that to ourselves. So sometimes we may have a situation where we're insecure. Maybe we had a series of failures or cancels or just things that made us feel like we're insecure. A lot of times we will act 
for a quick fix, which may be medication, which may be I need attention or affection from somebody to feel special. And then we act on those things. Um, and what we try to talk about with our, in ourselves, each other, and share is that's going to happen. It's not always good or bad. It's not about judgment. It's about being able to identify what it is we do and then at a later time be able to look at that and ask ourselves, is that beneficial to what we're trying to do, where we're trying to go? Um, and be honest with ourselves. But yeah, so. I think that, yeah, we'll look for a solution to our discomfort. And depending on what that discomfort is, like if we know it's a temporary discomfort, uh, we will go for, we'll. That was, I'd say that again, just that one part. We look for a solution to our comfort. I mean, sorry. To our discomfort. To our discomfort, which is awesome. It's, so we look for solutions to our discomfort, not necessarily to our bigger or deeper issue. Right, yeah. Which is I mean, amazing. We That's act, deep. We, we uh, react to discomforts, you know. Right. And I think that we really start learning when we start, uh, when we stop running away from being discomfortable. Right. Or uncomfortable, right. Uh, but normally discomfort is a signal of don't do this. Right. You know. Get out of here. Get out of here. Do something that will let you feel differently that will make you feel happy. So if they're temporary discomforts, like I feel like there are, com there are discomforts that are temporary and then there are discomforts that are more fundamental. Right. Uh, you know, and temporary discomforts may be, you know, I, you know, I had a bad week. Right. For whatever reason, you know. Uh, and then we're all like in a lot of, most of us, you know, will go and figure out what will make me feel good. What will make me feel better? And you know, you can rely on other people. You can rely on yourself and decide, like, or well, let me spoil myself. Let me go to, you know, whatever. Go to a hot tub. Go get a massage. You know, go just literally get an evening with myself with good food and a good book. Uh, and all. And that's a quick solution, right? But then the fundamental discomforts. I feel like when we get into those. And when we are in the echo chamber with our mind and our ego, we look to change the situation fundamentally. Then we're looking at this whole thing like, oh wow, this is just not working for me. Right. This keeps hurting me. I keep feeling, uh, you know, uh, sensitive, scared, upset, frustrated. I'm uncomfortable. Let me just shut the whole thing down and go back to what I know. Right. You know, and that's more of a major, like, you know, if we're talking about relationships. That's a hacking off the arm or the limb. Yeah, that's, that's the, I feel so uncomfortable and I cannot, you know, I shut myself down. Right. I have, I, I am not interested in talking to anyone right. about it. I am not interested in utilizing or unable uh, to utilize any of my tools other than my ego and my mind. So now right. I'm sitting here. And you have limited resources because you, you've locked yourself right. you've out. Locked yourself so you, in you that, cut off all the energy that you would need to be able to 
um, nourish up the process better. So not only are you, you cut off all the bad, but you, a lot of times you cut off all the good. I, yeah, so then that's the, like inevitably, you know, like I've had a million times when I'm feeling, you know, a, you know, a super, whatever, I, I'm frustrated, I'm upset, I've been in, in this loop for seemingly forever, and I'm still uncomfortable, and then the mind goes, well, just get out. Right. This is not good for you. Just get the hell out. Right. You know, that's an easy one. Like, you can end this right now. Like, you can uh, get rid of this feeling right now. All you gotta do is get out. Uh, and at times, it's super tempting. You know, uh, luckily, I also, like, you know, I think that's where, I don't know, whatever it is, I don't listen to it much, but there's definitely been times when it is so loud that it scares the hell out of me. Uh, it's not easy for me to get out, so that would not have something, something, you know, right. to The be other parts of your personality, like, okay, you want to get out? Okay, well, here's what we're going to have to do. Right. You thought about that, 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 and you're like, oh, shit, I'm tripping. And then by then, it's like, you know, you're, you're literally just stuck with your mind and your ego, and of course, you want to get out. You can try, you know, it also helps that you always are like, fine, you go do whatever you got to do, you know, but right. like here, it's probably going to take you a week max. Right. You know, but it's super tempting. And I really am feeling that, you know, just through my experimentation with all this stuff, is that it's literally like, I, I mean, it's, it's all of this stuff is pretty straightforward. You know, you get scared, your ego wakes up and runs to protect you, you shut everything down, it's your mind and your ego, and the next step is to get out. Right. And the, the, the problem, so that that alone may, some people may go, well, yeah, well, shit, if it ain't working, you should bounce. But what what they're not peeping and what we're talking about more is that if you, if you cut and run whenever you get uncomfortable, you're not growing, you're not overcoming or addressing the fundamental, fundamental thing that's making you uncomfortable because it's something within. The outside stuff is just symbolizing what's in, what's within. So you will repeat that. So that's what happens in relationships. And a lot of people will get in a relationship, they'll get to that one point, whatever that point is, where it becomes extremely uncomfortable, and then they cut and run, they break up. And then they go jump into another relationship without ever addressing or nurturing or healing that issue. And so that's why you find people in loops all the time. Like they just in the same loop because their energy is recreating the exact same thing that they need to work on and they don't identify as so they go right into it over and over again and expecting a different result, but they're doing the same thing. Well, because the ego, you know, because it needs to be alive, it will confirm all the fears that we're feeling. Right. I mean, that's their job is to acknowledge it. You know, right. it's the job uh, of a parent that is uh, comforting their child is to acknowledge all of their fears Right. And validate them. Validate and stuff, them. Yeah. And then, you know, and then give them like a quick fix. So the ego is going to confirm that all of our fears are valid and right. then we need to protect ourselves. Right. And a lot of times what the ego will do, will, by through validation, the way they do is go, yeah, it was that person or that situation was the problem. Once we're out of that situation, the yeah. problem's gone. And then we get into a new relationship, 
And then when that becomes the same thing, they don't go, oh my God, I see the pattern. They go, no, 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 it was that person. He was cool or she was cool until this. So it's always assigns the blame to the object, but never strings the pattern together. Because it's always fun to talk to, to someone and they share like, you know, their relationship history and then, or you just, you know, watch your friends go through it. And it's like, you know, it happens once, then it happens twice. It's the same pattern. It happens three times. And you're like, when are they going to realize that maybe it's not the right. other There's people? one common denominator <laughs> in your last five boyfriends or girlfriends you had. Now, it's a possibility they're all really shysty, and they all just hate you. I mean, hate, they're just bad people, but it could be a possibility that... Yeah, well, but you're still, you're the one that's making the decision to be with them. Right, you're still gravitating to so them. And at the one point in time, you thought they were the most amazing person yeah. in the world. And the same, it's not even, you know, with people, it's the same with, you know, work situations. Mm -hmm. People getting laid off all the time. People can't find a job. People, like, certain things happening. Right. Like if you're one common denominator, it's probably you know yeah. reason to look inside. And then you know the flip side of it is the open state, right? You know, and the open state is something that um, you know the high and the when everything's easy and things are uh, flowing and you feel like, oh, nothing can happen <laughs> to bring me down. Right. I'm just you feeling know? so high. Yeah, your vibrations yeah, way you love, up. Right. You love your body. You love what you eat. Like, things are happening. Everything's great. Your relationship's great. Uh, that's the open state, right. you know. And then eventually you will start noticing that, you know, you, you, you should, that's the state you really like to be in. You know, to me, that's a state I really like to be in. Okay. And uh, I'm at the point now where, you know, whenever I go to the other side, I'm like, oh, yeah, let me try and get back to that other side right. as fast as I can because that's where, you know, the possibilities are endless there. Like, right. you, you're really, I mean, open means open to whatever outcome that day that situation life brings you right and yes. it's yeah. it's exciting you know like you're like i don't know what's gonna happen but you know i like not knowing what's gonna happen it's exciting i like it it's you know i'm gonna do the best i can i'm gonna use my mind and i'm gonna use my spirit and i'm gonna be open to what other people bring to me and i'm gonna reciprocate it and some good is gonna come out of it i don't know what it is but I'm gonna hopefully live in the seat. Right, and the open state can also be the connected state. And this is where, you know, you're connected to these channels or through mediums that are bringing you the nourishment that you desire. That makes you feel loved, validated, yeah. secure. All of our core nutrients that make us feel high or open or in a vibration where we see positive, where we see solutions, where we see um, faith in the unknown. We see excitement in the unknown. Now, there's two ways that we go about getting the nourishment that keeps us in this higher vibration open state. There's object referral, which is other people, places, and things, right? And then there's self-referral, which is things we derive from within, from things that we do without any regarding any person, place, or thing. Now, in, a, in the life that we live, which is both internal and external, it's good to have a balance of those. Sometimes without even trying internally, you can just be feeling high because you may have got a raise. Um, you may have, your artist may have been selected to an art show. You may have got this gig. Somebody gave you a good compliment. 
You know, all these things externally can just lift you, and you may not realize, like, wow, that was dope. Um, that's still impermanent. You may not realize that. Sometimes it's harder to maintain that because you could got your car got a ticket because you parked in the red zone. The job you thought you had come through didn't. This person said they were going to book you for the show, and they flaked, you know, and nobody on your OkCupid okay is messaging you back. So you could drop. And so you have to be mindful of your gauges and make sure you have enough things that are self-referral to keep you up there. That's how you have a better chance of writing it at a higher level. Otherwise, you go up and down based upon the strongest winds that are blowing your way. So when we talk about being an open state, it's not a stagnant state. It is a state of constant building. Like You have to be generating this positive energy, this state of gratitude, the perspective of understanding and the filtering and, and translating anger and fear and solutions with positive nourishment to stay at an open state. Otherwise, we all will go down. We all will dip. So let's talk about, you know, different ways uh, that, you know, you and I have learned to go from close to open from low to high. Right. Um, I have a secret tool that I'm learning to use. Is it Wiggles? No. No. Oh. How's <laughs> your vibrator? Uh, no. Oh. No. Okay. Uh, my secret tool is easy. That's my headache. Right. My I've learned. You know, I, some years ago I started. I mean, four four years ago it actually is when we started going through the process of changing our relationship and really going deep. And I started going really deep into my own ways of handling my own stuff. You know, I started getting these uh, excruciating migraine headaches. And, you know, of course, I thought stress, high blood pressure, blah, 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 right. blah, blah. I uh, just recently, well, I knew that it, was, it, it uh, had to do with whatever personal stress right. I go through. But I've realized, I've learned very recently that that headache is an indication to me that I'm entering the closed state. Right. Uh, and it's just literally based on the energy that I'm I, I'm uh, giving out. Right. You know, and that is a super cool tool for me because uh, as soon as I stop thinking that it's random or that it's blood pressure related or it's something else, it's very clear to me that, you know, that closed state causes this headache. Right. And then... So that's the echo chamber, like the yeah. echoing probably? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... Um, and then once I learn that, I'm like, all right, well, that's, that's my indicator. You know, I have to stop doing whatever it is that I'm doing and I have to go and take inventory and be super honest with myself right. and see what the hell it is that I've done to get to this state and go and force myself to literally be open. Right. And, you know, literally be open means I spend time, like super focused time with myself and go through and remind myself everything that I... Um, you know, have learned to value. Like, what is it that, what's the ultimate 
what's the ultimate value in our relationship and how I choose to live my life and how like what is the most valuable thing in my life right you know and I go down that path and I find the open space and my headache lifts it right. takes a few days um, hopefully it'll start taking less but that's that's what it is start digging out and right. you know the roadmap is literally to go beyond what is uncomfortable and go into what are my goals like what is it that I'm doing here you know and zoom out from a specific situation that's probably an irritant to a what am I doing like take inventory of what are your goals what is the path are you is everything aligned and you know usually it's out of alignment usually I'm just like you know picking on someone or you know being totally close-minded about whatever whatever you know I'm scared of and trying to manipulate a situation or you know I am uh, without being conscious about it you know uh, judging someone and it's gone too far right. and I haven't got you know I haven't gotten positive energy in there so time to shut it down which shuts down all the inflow of all the bad stuff time to be honest with myself time to take inventory zoom out and then literally force myself into that you know open space where good energy flows right and the, the beautiful thing about um, what you're talking about your process is and it, it can be a very helpful tool for all of us is when we get in a low state and we're uncomfortable um, if we own that feeling like hey we got ourselves in this state what are some of the things that we allowed us to affect us in a certain way to get us to this state but we allowed ourselves to get this state yeah. that means we own it and we sit in it but what also it means is we got ourselves in we can get ourselves out as opposed to that person got right. me in this state they need to apologize come back whatever it is then I'll feel better is a very object referral and slave to that which means you have no control yeah. which creates panic yeah. um, when you own it you now emancipate yourself from whatever symbols outside of you that caused or created or contributed to this state and you can work on getting yourself out with your own personal tools of internal reflection acceptance embracing and then rebuilding nourishment and so perspective and gratitude so what I do when I get down um, when I catch it is I check my gauges like you know why am I feeling this way right. and I'll go okay you know there might have been a bad there might have been an email that was kind of a side wave energy or a text um, I may have ate some food that didn't sit right earlier I may, have had, I may not have slept good. I may have had a weird-ass dream in the morning that just set me off in a funky way. Um, and so I try to be aware of that um, and start trying to nourish um, before I get into something. Because most of the time, you know, I'm sure you guys will know, and you've been through it too, a lot of times we end up getting into shit because we're susceptible, we're susceptible to shit already. <laughs> you know, we're already a little bit stressed out. We're already short-fused. Um, we we'll probably haven't eaten that good or we're malnourished, whatever it is, we're malnourished. 
and we're on edge. And then all of a sudden, that leads into, so not only leads into conversations, but it leads into conversation with our perspective of that conversation interaction already a lower narrative. We already have a narrative. So if we can catch the fact that, ooh, I'm in a shitty mood right now. I'm in a bad mood right now. I'm, in, I'm not in that mood. And we can catch it and start working on first quarantining that mood. Um, that's what I do. I quarantine that mood. Um, I'm not the type of person when I'm in a bad mood, I want to talk about it to everybody. I want to post it on social media because that perpetuates that energy. And that gets other people to respond to that energy. And that negative response to that energy grows. So, for example, if I got cut off, you know, by a dude in the car, and I go, motherfucker, cut me off in the car, blah, 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 on social media, then I get everybody like, yeah, I hate that, yeah. And all of a sudden, you're perpetuating That's negative your social media, energy. My social media. It's like, oh, yeah, I don't like that either. Yeah, well, that's yours. I'm talking about mine. But most people will will perpetuate that energy that that we're feeling and i don't want to i don't want to live that over and over again throughout the day so i don't want to talk about that throughout the day so i quarantine it i make sure that i'm still finding ways to put out some form of positive energy and love um because ultimately what i need is more of that to lift me back up um and just try to really be aware that i'm susceptible and i need to eat and by eat, I mean nourish up through physical or mental or sometimes even food, sometimes rest, um, and then come back to a state of being which allows me to deal with things. Now, we're not always that aware. Um, a lot of times we get into shit and we don't realize that half the reason why we got into that and it went that way has nothing to do with what we're talking about. And so, being able to identify that and disengage and get back to your space and try to come back to it <laughs> is something that I try to do um, because I don't always catch it. You know, we may not realize until after we've already smashed heads and we've been in it for a while. Um, then, you know, the funny thing too also is about the ego is there are times when we're in it and the, I can hear the rest of my voice is like, I think we should probably not talk about this right now. Um, you probably don't want to go into that because you know, like the like the spirit is a very humble, calm, quiet voice. It never really yells inside of me. It's very calm. And then, like you know, my inner child is is you know, is like I don't know if we should be doing this. Like this doesn't seem fun. And the spirit's like, yeah, I don't know. Like I don't think. What is our motive, guys? Like my, the spirit's trying to remind everybody, like my ego and everybody else. What's our team goal? Our team goal is to build and to connect and to share love. And my ego sometimes is combines with my my very protective Joe Pesci mother type vibe. And my they're like, nah, we gonna have this conversation right fucking now. And my spirit's like, I don't know if that's a good idea. You haven't really eaten and I can just tell by your energy that your narrative is like you wanna you wanna get in that mode. And, it, and you can hear it and while you're in it and shit's just going worse. Like you like you guys like, okay, you go ahead and have that conversation. And the spirit's just watching, and you're just you're just wrecking. It's just getting worse and worse, and you can hear your spirit like, "Yeah, I told you. Well, hope you're enjoying this, and you don't want to get out because whatever the reason is, you, your ego just wants to engage in this battle. Um, but at some point, being able to own that, you know, and what we've talked about recently is, you know, it's okay to be in those modes. We're all gonna get in those modes, those fuck shit up modes, or this, I'm like not feeling it." 
But what we should try to do is identify who it is when we're doing that. So like if I'm not feeling good about something, like I'm, I'm all butthurt because of something, it's if I say, Eula, so you know, my ego right now really wants to just cuss you out. Like my ego really wants, and you can go, what does your ego want to say? And my, my ego will be like, well, my ego wants to say, and what that does, just by saying and identifying who's speaking, it separates your whole being from your ego. But also it gives your ego a voice, which a lot of times your ego just wants to be heard and without causing disaster. Now, if we don't say my ego wants to do that, and I just say, you know what, I really want to cuss you out, then it, it encompasses the whole being and it makes the assumption to her that my whole being wants to cuss her out. And then that's a, that's a very offensive thing. Whereas if I just say, you know, my ego really wants to cuss you out right now, and we just get through that, I can then say, well, yeah, my spirit understands, like it's probably not a good idea. <laughs> so I'm gonna try to just go for a walk or something like that. Um, and so those are some of the tools that we use and I use to get out of the um, closed state back into the open state, but it all really ties into nourishment and being aware of, the, of your gauges, knowing and being able to track yourself to see, I was here yesterday, now I'm fucking here today. What happened? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, what happened may not have been too many external things, it can just be a thought, a thought direction, a thought direction, or if you're trying to undo your narrative and learn a new narrative, but your old narrative is a negative one. Your old narrative is like gravity, it'll pull you back if you're not careful. So you gotta lift back up, it's like learning a new habit, stuff like that, so. That's, well, I, yeah. I think it's also not just new narr narrative versus old narrative, but uh, comfortable, uh, no resistance narrative. Right. Versus something that, you know, you have to work through. Like we're all super lazy. Most right. of us are super lazy. You know, we're lazy and we like our comfort. So why would we do something that is uncomfortable and requires a lot of work? Right. It's a lot easier to just go down the, uh, you know, the path that is natural, easy, and then takes us to the comfortable place of right. fuck all that. Yeah. No, it's good. And so while we're about to go on this little break, get some cereal stretch. But one thing to, to think about, and this is for us too, um, it's for everybody too, think about what is your core comfort. Just really identify that without judgment and then ask yourself, is that core comfort a benefit to your growth and your peace or a detriment? I think that's a good one for us to realize because some of our comforts may be perfect. Our comfort is peace. Our comfort is when there's no stress or when, when, the, when I'm feeling loved. Some people's comfort is like not having to deal with anything, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is, but being able to identify what is your core comfort and is that a benefit or detriment to your, your growth um, may help us realize, you know, if we need to really adjust, expand our comfort zones. Um, I think my comfort, my basic comfort is being in charge. Right. And that's why whenever shit hits the fan, I'm like, I'm out. I'm perfectly fine. I set up my life in a way that uh, I'm fine. Right. And that's my comfort zone. 
and getting myself out of it and putting myself back into the zone where it's not all up to me. Right. You know, and it's vulnerable and uh, it can go in ways that will make me super sensitive for an extended period of time. And to be okay with that, that's the, you know, that's uh, a hopefully a new comfort zone, but definitely not there yet. Right. And my my core comfort zone is is clarity and understanding. Like the hardest time for me is when I don't understand or when shit's not clear, because then it goes into my mind and all this weird space. My my traumas and stuff kick in and like that. So like I look for clarity. Comfort zone of me is clarity. So if I'm going through some stuff and I'm for some reason me and this other person's not getting I'm not getting clarity with their contribution, I recluse. And I just go and try to find clarity. And once I find it, whether or not it's benefiting me or not, like maybe, maybe I find the truth is they don't like me. The truth is they're, they're not feeling me. I, for some reason, become more comfortable with the clarity well, once I truly can understand something. you have something. control of the situation. I mean, it's the same thing. Well, yeah. I mean, you we just get there in a different way. Well, no. It's, I mean, there's, in, there's internal control and external control. I don't look to control other people. Right. I just look for clarity. I just want to understand. Yeah. Um, from that, I can I can deal with. I can work with myself, stuff like that. But the reality of no matter what the comfort is, we all need a healthy respect for impermanence and the unknown. Because the reality is, we're not always going to be able to be in our comfort zone. And if we can't function at a high level, unless we're comfortable, then we're in for a long, bumpy, weird, fucked up ride. Because it's always going to be all over the place. So, Black Russian Podcast, episode 36, The Poo Poo Platter, Freestyle Mega Mix. Enjoy the tunes. We'll be back in a second. The blood blow up the many times when it's still have one more time left because the amount of stripes up on our shoulder. Lambada sound like this year, man, can't get rid of it. I want to make it give it. Come, so come with me on your dance. I, 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 Cause this session is getting hotter And this your dancer is under fire A lot of people going to feel good tonight Check out! So a lot of sound boy are going to end up a fight But remember Praise the champion Every time And he will guide you <laughs> Throughout this session It under fire Whoa. And I sound there A lot of sound boy running and hiding tonight Said a lot of them running and hiding tonight, yes. Cause it's your action, you must get your fraction. In this your dance hall, we are the champion. Whoa, you are. Why? 
We are back, episode 36, the Black Russian Podcast, part two. Now, we have recorded part two already, but for some reason, YouTube, YouTube, erased it. That must have meant you weren't passionate enough. Really? I was on fire. This yeah. is pissing me off. Yeah, well, you weren't enough for YouTube, really? so we're doing it again. Yeah. But now you've learned... Since you had this break, there were some things you'd like to add yes. to part one. So, yes. So when we were talking about the closed and open state, uh, we were talking about it as it pertains to our relationship to ourselves, our interpersonal relationship. Right. Sexual. Uh, sexual interactions. interactions beyond the fears that come with with all that, but and and that's all super valid. Yes. Uh, there are other ways that open and closed state affects other relationships. Right. The knowledge and the mathematics of what we're talking about is universal. Yep. It can be applied to all different areas. And so we wanted to give a few other areas of life and talk about how these areas are affected by closed-minded versus open-minded. Um, we've been talking and thinking about racism a lot. Yes. And guess where that comes from? <laughs> Do you want my black man educated? But no, I'm scared to no, go into no. that part. I feel like there's going to be a whole different episode that we're going to have guests on. Might be a whole different podcast. Might be a whole different podcast. But it's another yes. topic that I'm on fire about. But, um, you know, considering closed states and how that, uh, you know, it's an echo chamber of the ego and the mind, and it's driven by fear, that's what racism is. Yeah, there's a really good quote, keep talking about uh, that. It's basically the, you know, the white people or not black people protecting their own space in their own, uh, you know, the power and uh, relying on the ego to guide them versus opening it up to, hey, we're all humans. You know, we all have our strengths and our weaknesses, and fear has no place in deciding how to treat another race. Right. Uh, but yet, you know, racism is pretty much almost as strong as it ever been, and I really feel, based on, you know, how everyone, the topic is super sensitive, Right. Well, the topic of sexual open and close is super sensitive. People get defensive instantly. They feel they need to defend their territory instantly. They feel that there is one right and one wrong. And all of that is really because it's the ego defending its space. Right. Just being closed and shut off and not wanting to deal with any other information that would alter the narrative. And that's what we talk about the narrative is... You have a narrative that these people are like this. Yep. You don't really want to meet anybody that's of that race that's not like that. Because then it fucks up your whole narrative. Yeah, don't even want to allow for a possibility that maybe there are other reasons that they're like that. Right. Maybe there are other reasons that, you know, there's a circumstance that was created for them that put them in this uh, position that you're now using against them. I mean, that really is, I can go on and get really super fired up and piss off a lot of people, 
but uh, reality is, I think, closed and open uh, state of mind and being right. affects a lot more than just personal right. well, relationships. Well, you, you look at the nature of our, you know, we talk about, my, my grandma was talking about this, how we lack nuance in our discourse these days. You look at politics, it's either black or white. Yep. And everyone digs in, takes stands, yep. there's no healthy debate, there's no situation where I'm going to put my ideas on the table, you can put your ideas on the table that may counter mine, yep. and at the end of the day, we're sharing these ideas and we take what we want from them. Mm-hmm. It's immediate, like, I'm not going to like anything you like because you say you're on the blue team, yep. and I'm on the red team. And um, that goes for homophobia. Yeah. Uh, I'm either like that or I'm against it. And if I'm against it, I'm going to write everyone off that is for it. Right. Uh, And the biggest impact, I think, you know, beyond, uh, you know, obviously the impact on people who are disadvantaged through racism and homophobia uh, is the kids. Like, how do we raise the kids? If we raise them in a closed state of mind, guess who we're raising? Right. Yeah, we'll pass on that whole situation. Um, and or we may make them feel who they are is not right. Because mm-hmm. what if they are LGBT? What if they are wanting to take a different path mm-hmm. than our rigid, closed-minded wants them to? Now there's a conflict and we affect them. And we affect their esteem. We're trying to create traumas in them. Yeah, I mean, it all comes from the need to control and to be right. Right. You know, like parenting is uh to me is one of the most uh you know it's one of the most pronounced states of you either go with the need and desire to control or you understand that hey i produce this human being right but they're separate from me you know i i'm responsible for them and they came from me but i can't control them Right. Nor should I try to control them. Mm. You know, it's 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 a respect factor. It's the same as this person's black, this person's white, this person's in the middle, whatever that is, and we respect all of it. Right. Uh, you know, you respect people for who they are. You respect babies for who they are. Like right. babies come out with their whole whole set set of attitudes and desires and needs you right. know and as, as parents a lot of times it goes back to what you're talking about in the first part of this a lot of the reasons why we're closed off or what or why we're trying to control is because it's for us yeah, most it's not always for the kids it's primarily for us the way we may feel and so on and so forth and that's usually a bigger thing hold on what we were saying is a lot of the reasons why we seek control over kids and stuff is not for the betterment for the kids always. It's for us and our fears and protecting ours. And so a lot of times what can happen is we pass on our fears and our traumas onto our kids. I'd say it's 100% of the time. Possibly. I mean, why else would She's you do bold. it? She's bold. Why else would you do it? Every time I feel I want to control the kids is because I want to control the kids. Right. It's because I'm uncomfortable. Now, there are times when it may be that a parent may have more information about something than a kid, and a kid doesn't agree yeah, with you. Yeah, that's basic safety and stuff. That's still control. I don't want you to know you can't go out by yourself in East Oakland that night yeah. after the party. Yeah. And I know you don't understand why, but I'm. this is my yeah, thing. Yeah, well, like, so Erin was just saying, hey, you know, Karina said I can use her tent. 
I think it would be cool. I'm going to go backpacking in Point Reyes. And right. I'm like, by yourself? And he's like, yeah, what's wrong with that? I'm like, I don't know. I would be uncomfortable. Right. He goes, uh, Mom, would you rather I go with my skater friends? And I'm like, you're right. You're safer by yourself. <laughs> you know, so it's my fear. It's not like he's thought it, he's thought it through. Right. We're not trying to say that a parent should never have a final say over kids. We're just saying a lot of the reasons why we seek control and have them do it our way. Like, we want our kids to be collegiate or we don't want our kids to be art kids. Or, no, we don't want a kid who's who's transgender or a kid who's gay. Right. No. Yep. Or we don't want you to have interracial relationships. No, a lot of that is projecting onto the kids. And so mm-hmm. these traumas, anxieties, and fears, and these stresses a lot of times get dumped onto the kids and this is for coming from the closed minded or the closed perspective whereas an open would be and racism would be like you know what I feel these way I feel these ways about these people I need to go speak to some I need to go learn about them and let me go ask questions because I don't I don't know if what I feel is really true I kind of want to get more information or you know let me listen to the reasons why my kid wants to go camping let me have a conversation with them to see maybe they do understand yeah. the risks and they, they have thought it through. And it's, you know, it's, it's exactly what I said I'm learning about my closed state is that, you know, it's there to protect me. But ultimately, you know, I've learned that that's not the space that I enjoy being in. And it would be really, and I, so I look for ways to get out of it. And I think it would be really super cool if we were taught that those feelings that we feel when we walk by a black man and we want to cross the street, you know, like when we uh, look at, you know, at uh, two people of the same sex kissing or making out and we're uncomfortable, it would be cool if we were taught that that's a, that is a, a signal for you to actually go and learn more about it. Right. Instead of passing judgments and making sure that we're safe in what we believe in. Right. It'd be really cool if we were like, oh, I feel that way. That means I need to go and learn. I need to go and spend time with, with, with those people. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. So, so that was that. That was right. my, uh, I felt it was important to add because what we're talking about is not, you know, we're, I, I, we're learning through the mechanism of building our relationship the way we're building it. But it's not about our relationship and it's definitely not about non-monogamous sex right it's about human response to uncomfortable situations yeah we're learning a lot of these things and we're speaking on them through the guise of relationships like intimate relationships but these are you know universal facts and tools that we can use you know if you have you're from a closed state you're closed, you're cut off, you're disconnected, and it's usually a fear and ego-based protection place. Yeah. It's a low vibration place. Versus being an open, you're more apt to be willing to learn, to amend, to understand nuance and difference, and have more empathy and more room to grow and expand and connect. So that's universal. That has nothing to do with one or the other. It's just the root energy, and we these all play out through different ways, which... A lot of you guys and a lot of us already know these things, but we rarely apply them to the sensitive areas over here. So we like to spread it all around. Yeah. Uh, now. Now, 
Speaking now, of universal concepts, my next topic is legacy gender roles. Yeah. Legacy gender roles. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Elaborate. Uh, Break it down. Well, I came to that through my own journey and struggles of getting to the point where I'm comfortable uh, feeling as free in the area of my own personal intimate sexual desires mm -hmm. as I am in all other areas of my life. Like I'm pretty confident and self-reliant. Reliant. You're self-reliable. And I don't, you know, I typically know what I want and I can explain it and get it. Right. With no hesitation until it comes to what do I want from my relationships with men. Right. And it's been definitely an interesting journey that has not been easy. And it's, you know, it's getting to, you know, I've taken a 12-month time period of no sexual contact with men. And where, you know, I would have thought that 12 months is a long time and, you know, you learn what you learn and then you kind of sit on it. It keeps, I keep learning new things. And I keep learning that it's really freaking hard for me to be honest with how I, like, with what I want. Right, yeah. You know, like, I go towards what I don't want a lot more than towards what I want. Right. You know, we talk about it all the time. It's really hard for me to say what I want. Yeah. In every other aspect of my life, it's not hard for me to say what I want. Right. So why is that? And go get it. And it's not, it's, you know, I'm getting to the point where I know for a fact it's not because you're making it difficult for me. It's nothing that you've imposed on me. Uh, it's really generated, it comes from inside of me. Right. It comes from whatever, it's it's a knee-jerk, it's a, a trigger, it's a deeply rooted feeling of something bad's gonna happen, you cannot be open about this. Right. You know, uh, I'm definitely a strong person that will go get what she wants, but I'm not strong enough to go get it in that area in the open. Right, right, yeah. You know, I mean, that point of crossing over into, no, my needs and my desires and my curiosities are as valid as any other curiosity that I can have in my life. Food, you know, workout, clothes, choice of my profession, choice of my friends, you know, how we raise kids, anything, where we live, like all that stuff but when it comes to like my intimate relationships and what I want with men that whole thing goes out the window right like I can't say things I can't even think about it you know things come out sideways and it's just hard right where do you think that comes from well like I, it's it's a um, I think that it comes from the way that women are brought up the limitations that are put on us 
without explicitly telling, being told that those are limitations. Right. Um, by the examples of how women are treated, you know, in like in in families through generations, uh, role models. Right. You know, I personally was never treated much like a girl that is limited in what she can do. I've always been treated as, you know, a pretty good mix of, you know, a girl and a boy in my own family because my dad, you know, didn't have a boy and he treated me like the boy that he never right. had. So we hung out, uh, you know, we still hang out, we talk business. I know more about his business than, you know, my mom definitely does. Uh, I've never been shown that there are any limits for me in anything that I want to do. Right. But my mom was my role model. My grandma was my role model. Grandma was at home cleaning and cooking. Mom was, you know, working, but after work she was at home dad was out and about doing whatever he wanted to do right. mom was at home waiting for him you know they would get into it dad always came on top right you know he was the one making money and she was the one just dealing with that you know i mean it's generational right yeah. and i think it's the role of a woman versus the role of a man right. you know and i'm not a uh, you know a like normally I don't consider myself a to be a woman that would rely on a man. Right. You know I I I've created consciously after John died created the situation for myself where I don't need anyone. But it's super hard for me. Like this this whole inability to be vocal about what I want and right. to not it's not even that I'm not vocal about it I don't even tell my I don't I'm, I'm rarely even honest with myself about it right like that's deep yeah that's super deep yeah. so you know I think that that's why I wanted to talk about the legacy gender roles and break that down into you know the roles of uh, men and then the fears and sensitivities that come with that like what are they where do they come from and then how are they usually expressed and then the same for women and I think by doing that we're probably going to get to a point where it's pretty clear that men and women are super different yeah, very differently. very differently and we face very different challenges yeah. so you want to go into fears you want to go into the roles first okay let's talk about the role like right look, look. so men you know as we all know are groomed to be the patriarch we're groomed to be the king we're groomed to be the lion the 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 head of the family right that's the men the head of the family um, and boys are raised from a very early age um, through nature and nurture that they are to lead and do what, they, what they're supposed to do, what they want to do. And the woman is supposed to be there to support him at all costs. Um, men can make mistakes. Men can, can exp explore. 
and women are there so you're supposed to have you know what they call unconditional love so men are naturally groomed to you know lead and women are groomed to support the leader um, and that obviously creates a lack of equality the patriarchal system creates a lack of equality the monogamous the history of the monogamous structure supports that because the woman would stay home the men would be out doing whatever they wanted to do earning a living as well but doing whatever they wanted to do on the side women were not allowed to do that they would be called sluts and be shamed and sometimes stoned and killed um, where men could go have affairs anytime they wanted that's part of the issue with monogamy is that it was never meant for equally um, women and men making a sacrifice to come together. In the very beginning, it was woman makes the sacrifice to be there only for this person while he did whatever he wanted and needed to do, period. So to have a healthy monogamous structure, you have to understand that it was not intended to be balanced. So if you let it be as it naturally is, it's restrictive. And so the equality was shifted. You know. I mean, the whole the whole institution was, uh, you know, that women did not have a way of making money, so they needed a man to right. make money. Right. Man contributed by making money and supporting the woman. The woman contributed by being there and having kids and making sure that she only had sex with him because he needed to ensure that the kids are his. Right. That was a trade-off, I mean, which was pretty fair at that time, but now, you know, it's been a while that, you know, women have to rely on men. Right. I don't have to rely on you. Right. I don't have to rely on you for anything. You know, women don't need to rely on men. We can have kids with no, without men. Right. So the whole institution has technically lost its power completely, right? But these influences, <laughs> these influences obviously are still here right like i literally do not need to have anyone like support me financially right but i feel in that like i feel that i still cannot be open and go do what i want to do right because and that's of the ridiculous deep, yeah. and that's like that's deep internal code right and so this is you know men are coded and groom one way, women are coded and groomed another way, from a time that we probably evolved past. Oh yeah, you by know, far. Um, like, there's no need for it. Right, but the the people who benefit from this are the men who like the privilege and the patriarchal system, and so, and a lot of that, as we talk about, with the need to control, yeah, is you know out of it's a fear ego based thing. So you're asking me, what are some of the you know, fears that men have when it comes to styles of relationships outside of monogamy or just dealing with other it, men in when, general. When it comes to allow empowering the woman they're with to be as equally free to do what she wants to do as men should be. Right. Well, one of the things that there's two core parts, I, I think there's probably more, but I'll break it down to core two. One is most of us men have what's called the, as the fear of the alpha male. This is the fear that another man is gonna come along and woo your woman away from you with tricks and tools and trades that you may not have. 
and then you will feel that you're no longer needed. Um, and this problem, you know, we talked about stem from way, way back to when, you know, in the wild kingdom, the alpha lion was that. Yeah. And if you were not the alpha lion, another one would come by and punk you and that would be it. Yeah. We've kind of evolved from that. It's not uh, solely about physical strength or prowess anymore. There's a much other reasons why we stay and connect with people. But in men in our innate nature, we do have this fear of the alpha male. So if you're the big, buff, athletic man who's maybe a, a, a super long, dick-studded sex king, you may be more, your alpha male may be the intellectual who may be not in the best shape but has a way of just listening and speaking to your woman that makes her feel like she's being heard in a way that you never could because you roll your eyes at the shit she likes. Um, if you're that intellectual, then it's the big John Stud guy that you're concerned about. It's whatever it is that you feel you're not. Whatever your insecurities are, your alpha male is that, you know. And so that's a big one. Um, and a lot of us, like mine came from that. My, my fear of the alpha male was definitely that because I was the guy growing up who was the emotionally sensitive raised by my mom guy who women would see as a really good friend asset. Like it would be a real, we want to keep this guy around because we can talk to him about our, our relationship problems and he understands and he hears that, but it's not sexy. Like I like the girls, like the bad boy, the elusive, the mysterious, the fiery. Um, and so I constantly went through this cycle of when the girl that I was close to wasn't with somebody, I became that guy who she'd confide in and want to hang out with and give energy to. But the minute the other guy came or the bad boy came, she would drop me like a bad habit and go do that. And so it happened over and over and over again. So that would be where my triggers come from. That's where I had to do the most work. So that way when Eula would be able to go out, um, I would naturally feel that. Like I would feel like, and I have to work through that. You know, do I think now that she will find somebody who's cooler and sexier and then leave? You know, no. But that kid who went through that trauma is still in me and I have to remind this kid and you know let this kid know that that's remember we, we we rounded this out that's not really what we what we need to worry about so let's not seize up and cause any any uh, hiccups in her ability to do, go and do what she wants to do um the other one i think is a deeper one is men have a true understanding of how powerful and connected a woman is to the universe and and life in itself and it's an intimidating thing i think that's why we like men have this oppressive energy towards women and we like to shame them psychologically and call them sluts and all these things but yet a man would go out and have sex or with a bunch of different people maybe called a player or all these positive things and stuff like that so there's always been this fear of empowering a woman especially her sexuality because of the fear of what it would the emasculation of emasculation of what it would mean to men, even though it, balancing it out wouldn't be. But like they talk about, equality to a privileged person feels like oppression. Right. Um, and so, having a woman be able to go out and live as she wants to and make those decisions would be very intimidating. So a lot of times we get in relationships. And I think a part of that is the monogamous structure. A lot of men aren't necessarily monogamous by nature. Some argue, not many of us are by nature, 
mean, um, women are not monogamous. But we would rather prevent our woman from going out and possibly meeting these other people, but we would still go out. And that's, that's just part, not saying every single human being, but since the beginning of relationships, men were always going out. But the rules were different. They could go out and get caught and it wouldn't be as, the repercussions wouldn't be the same. If a woman went out and got caught, it would, could be fatal, it could be death. Um, and so to exemplify this, this is very funny. I always, when I would do our men ciphers, I'd ask these questions. I go, okay, men, if you could have the freedom and support from your wife to do whatever you'd like to do outside of your marriage, sexually talking, um, would there be anything you'd want to do? And they'd be like, you know, yeah, you know, I could, I'd like a little more this or sex or you know, a little more this and that. And then I ask them, now, if you had that freedom, could you still love and support your wife and the relationship and foundation that you guys have created? And they'd always be like, oh yeah, of course, for sure, for sure. And I'm like, all right, cool. Now, would you afford your wife the same levels of freedom? And they go, ooh, ah. And you could just feel, you could feel the fight, the struggle because it's so uncomfortable. Like it just doesn't feel right. And when we dug deeper, what it is, is that equality doesn't feel right. And so what we, the root of it is men, if not consciously working through it, feel as if a woman should not have the same freedoms and rights that men do. Even though we consciously don't think we do. We consciously think, no, we men can do whatever we want to do. But emotionally, and our, our DNA triggers are still like, I could go out and have a threesome and still love my wife, but hell no, my wife can't go out and have two guys. Hell no. Hell no. That dirty slut bitch hoe. Whatever. And so it's, it's, it's this thing that we have, that, you know, I try to help us unpack as men. I said, that feeling right there where your cheeks clenched up, that's the patriarchy and the privilege that we got to work through. So those to me are the two ways that the insecurities play out. Boom. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's like, it's not easy for you and you work on it. Right. Uh, so, you know, the guys that are not and not working on it, you know, it's... Yeah. Well, and the society makes it half the time where men don't have to work on shit as much. I've met so many women who will contort in ways I didn't know a human could bend for a man. Because a man's like, that's just how I am. That's just, that's how I am. And the men feel innately that my desire to be who I am and do what I want to do is stronger than a woman's will to change to make me grow. And a lot of times the women will enable that. Part of that is grooming. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the part of the DNA uh, programming that, you know, most of us come with is accommodating. Right. You know, uh, like, I technically don't need anyone to, to you know, support me. But I still will accommodate, or right. my, my knee jerk is to accommodate, because you know historically we needed men to support us, which means that we need to accommodate them. You know, I've seen my mom accommodate my dad a million times. Right. You know, and it was clear that he was wrong. Right. But yet, you know, she was accommodating. 
I mean, not all of it, you know, like everything we, we read, the movies, like the, our whole society is accommodating to men. Right. So, you know, that is a huge block for me to feel that, now it's cool, Tim will work through his sensitivities. Right. You know, my strong desire is to accommodate their sensitivities. And, you know, it's uncomfortable for me to go through it. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's just how it is. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not easy. That part is not easy to get through. And, you know, when uh, seemingly, I'm, you know, I'm at the point where I'm like, yeah, no, you know, I know that. Uh, doing what I want without being open about it is not gonna work. Right. So I'm not gonna do it. But getting to the part of, yeah, but I'm gonna do what I want and be excited to talk about it. Right. That is really hard yeah, to right, get that's to. That's a little, little. Like that. <laughs> gotta unlock the sphincter and get right. It, get and that, and that's what got me to thinking about this. Like, damn, like I'm a strong woman. Right. And it's this hard for me. Right. Yeah. It's insane. You know, like I can be obnoxious, I can be arrogant, I really can go and spend whatever money I want to spend on whatever I want to spend it on. And I can't be honest with myself and my partner who supports me through everything about what I want to do. Right. Yeah, no, it's tricky. And so for men, the closed state when it comes to equality for the woman and just allowing and encouraging and empowering and accepting that that's her right to be free and make whatever decisions she wants and trust that your love is built upon what you've created not any form of control the closed state is to shame the woman you know the closed state is if you're out with your woman and even a guy just says hi to her or compliments her the closed state will either a want to attack him or b want to sideways passive aggressively shame her for even smiling or liking the fact that someone complimented her or poop on the guy or both shit right. on the guy shit on him just make it to where you know just really control the situation and make her feel really bad for even thinking that was good or make him think that he was the worst thing he should have ever done messing with my girl even though he just complimented your woman in the way that you would compliment her and this whole concept i should say your woman the ownership thing in and of itself, we say that too much, we start to think it's mine, mine, mine. The reality is, she's hers, I'm mine. We lend and offer each other up to each other every day. But the right of who is whose is up to each individual person. Um, now, an open state is not going to be shaming her for wanting to have other connection, other experiences that she deserves. An open state is encouraging her Encouraging her to explore herself, her depths, to see what it is she wants and encourage that voice to communicate that with you and find a way through your insecurities and sensitivities to hold that space for her so that way she feels comfortable talking to you about it so that way she will talk to you about it more. And, you know, through zooming out, the open state helps you go regardless of how she chooses to go i want her to have the best life i want her to have the most connected 
purposeful life she's intended to have. I want her to connect with as many students, teachers, kindred spirits that she's supposed to because that enriches all of us if it enriches her life as mine has been enriched the same way. And that sometimes will include men having sex, rough, nasty, possibly BDSM, all these crazy things. But if that's her yum and that's what the language that she needs to talk to this person she's supposed to or people, that is fine. My goal is for her to have the life she's supposed to live. And that when you empower someone to have their freedom, you don't know exactly how that freedom is going to play out. You have to trust and encourage that she knows her path and she will figure it out the same way I like the freedom to discover my path and figure it out. And then we both share because we are inspired to share. That's the open state. That's not an easy state to get to or stay in. It takes a lot. We go up and down, up and down. But we can feel that when we get closed state, we don't want to support them. We get all weird and sideways when, it, when they even talk about possibly liking other men or being attracted to other men. We get all weird and salty and we can feel it. But all of a sudden, you know, we go out and we see someone beautiful or whatever. We feel we can handle it and still be normal at home. But we feel if they go out, they're never coming back or they're going to be some Jezebel or something like that. So, you know, that's the way that men deal with it. It's not really. Yeah. And I think, you know, like through uh, me adventuring through this year of no sexual contact and learning how to have intimacy without sex uh, with men, you know, I'm realizing that the whole like the focus on sex and men seeking sex as the way as the most important means of connecting robs men of actual of finding deep connections with people that don't want to have sex with them right no and that's real and one of the crazy things that's so true but it's a lot of us men have a hard time believing a woman is really into us if they don't want to have sex with us. The no and the rejection is louder than the fact that they've been friends with us, they care about us, they may be helping us with our personal, artistic or business or family, all of that. But we still, when we get rejected, when we get a no from sex, we take it as rejection. I, I honestly, like I can tell now that I have way more to offer without sex than I do through sex. Right. You know, uh, I mean, sex is a super cool space and tool, but it also can derail a lot of things. Right. Uh, and if you manage to get deep with someone without sex, then there is no derailment. Right. You know, that's real. Like, that's, there is nothing that throws you off. Like, there is nothing that there is pull, push. Like, it's real. You establish a super solid base. Right. But you got to get there first. Right. And it's not easy. It's like, you very, have yeah. to, you know, as a woman, I have to be very direct. Like, hey, listen, uh, there's not going to be any sex between us, right? Uh, but I really like you. Right. And there are all these other things that we're obviously, uh, you know, uh, building on that I think have a lot of value. Right. And the reality is what we're looking for through sex is a high dosage of love, 
validation, feeling appreciated, feeling seen, yeah. and these things. And someone just being there for you. Right, and someone being there for you, investing time and energy, being interested in you. Yeah. Um, the reality is, sex is one of the many mediums we can get that in, but we tend to assume that if we don't have it that way, they don't really mean it. And it's, it's a, one of those things that's really hard to get through, but the reality is um, we can get it through friendship. We can get it through learning, yeah. through teaching, through companionship, through dance, through art, through any of these mediums. And we just have to learn that language and respect that verbal communication can be as deep as sex. Or there are other means of nonverbal communication. Right, but I'm just saying yeah. that they're... they're like, we act as if sex is the most divine thing, and it's the only way to divinity. And the reality is, as we know, if you think of all the times we've had sex, it hasn't always meant divinity. Yeah. It's sometimes it's used as a tool for exercise, or a tool to possess, or manipulate, or abuse, or pleasure, or ecstasy, or BDSM, or exploration, and yes, spiritual heights. But Sex is not synonymous with spiritual heights. It doesn't matter what positions, how long or how small. It's more so the connection between the two and the intention or three or four or the intentions. So if we know that it's the intention and the connection, you can have that in other lanes. You can have that through a dance, through conversation, through spending time. Yeah. But you have to understand that language. If you don't value that language, if you automatically think, if she only wants to spend time and talk and hang out with me and doesn't want to fuck me, that's less than, then you're not going to appreciate and yeah. understand that language. I mean, uh, you know, I've had guys that can't handle it. Right. And then, you know, it's it's a cool exercise to be like, no, no, for real, there's not going to be sexual energy here. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they fall off. I'm like, okay, well, good. Then that's not going to be a waste of my time. Yeah. Uh, but then the ones that hang in there, uh, become super close people and super super friends, you right. know, and that is a long-term, very solid, very stable connection that feeds them, you know, feeds me, feeds them. I feel, you know, fulfilled through that. Right. And it doesn't go up and down. Yeah. Uh, so I think that the focus on 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 the sex and on on uh, connecting through sex and you know conquering women in that way robs men of the actual real super real connections that they seek right and most men don't even can't even explain to you that that's what they want right and that's part of the close state mindset yeah. as well like if if you only think i can only get depths through sex or the only way she can show me she really likes me is by fucking me, then that's a very narrow, closed state, which means they're missing out on a lot of the other yeah. love that's there for them. Um, and we're not saying sex is not a beautiful or a powerful or an enjoyable thing, but that is a pathway. That is not the nutrient. Nope. It's a very fun pathway, but it's not the nutrient. So as an open state, we realize I really want to feel these ways. This is one of the ways, but if I misuse that or do that with the wrong person for the wrong reason, I won't get these things. 
What are no. the other ways I can connect with this person? I, you know, like up until this year, I've definitely been, you know, convinced that sexuality, like sex, is my main connection to, you know, the spirituality. Right. Like that was how I felt it, which was true. But having removed that avenue and having to, you know, force myself to develop other avenues. I didn't expect that I would actually get to the point where I can feel sexual energy through doing things with men that have nothing to do with sex. You know, yeah. where there's nothing at all, uh, even remotely close to anything, you know, verbally sexual or anything. You yeah. know, and you get that same exact energy or just not even interacting with anyone, but like, just like understanding the quality and the depth of connections that I've been able to develop with no sex at all and how much those people care about me and how much I care about them that makes me feel you know warm in the tummy just like you know having someone you're sexually intimate with and have a deep connection with does right and that's that's part of that is summoning sexual energy the same way we summon and derive energy from the source from our core connection that emancipates and liberates our sexual energy harnessing from a person when you can only get that level of sexual energy from a person you are now slave to that object referral yeah. thing and you will either have a lot of it or not have any of it based upon who is giving it to you yeah. Whereas if you find ways to harness it through your natural ways, mm -hmm. it doesn't take away the value when someone else does, but you're not codependent on it and you have a way to appreciate yeah. it for what it is and what's the right way. And if the right way to generate that energy is not through actual sex, you're okay with that. Whereas if you need it through that, you're much more apt mm -hmm. to focus on it and drive the relationship that direction. And if it's not meant to go that direction, you end up ruining or damaging that relationship. Yeah, and it's a lot, you know, like, uh, I can tell you that it's, uh, I wake up most of the time now super excited for no good reason, other than I don't depend on anyone right. for creating excitement in my day, and I feel super connected to a whole bunch of people and myself. Right. And just those two things make me feel really excited, yeah. you know? Like, I used to be notorious for seeking heights. Right. You know, like asking, asking, asking for, the moon. for the moon, you know, or what's my next high. And, you know, gradually my next high is this morning. You know, like every time I wake up or every time I go to bed. And it's, you know, a totally, it's a lot more stable way of living and enjoying what we have uh, so it'll be a, it's 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 a super interesting journey you know and i think that this whole uh the realization of how difficult it is to shake the whole mentality of no it's not okay for you to like for me as a woman to want to have sexual connections with other people right and, and, and this is a good one so say your part again 
it's not okay for me as a woman to right. be vocal to want to have those connections right with so sexual connections that's with the men. woman's legacy role she's trying to break and the yeah. man's legacy role that we're trying to break is it's not okay to want what you want and not allow the woman to want the same yeah you know learning that because most men think no it's okay for me to to not want that to not let her have what she wants if that's what she wants yeah you know so you know so that you know men have their own problems you know uh coming from that state right it's very difficult to create actual deep intimate connections that don't rely on sexual on 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 sex and um sexually connecting with women you know women have problems breaking through that barrier of allowing ourselves to know that it's totally fine for us to want what we want and go and explore it and create these uh, wonderful connections with men uh, which will help men eventually (laughs) you know Uh, life gets better once you um, stop trying to control other people um, in order to protect your fears it's not easy but it does it's, it's freeing and then, you know, just like with everything that we uh, go through, our kids, you know, uh, get either the benefit or the detriment of us being able to get through those walls or not. Right. And encouraging them to be who they are and not stifling who they want to be based upon what's comfortable for us. Um, and so it goes always. And this is what we talk about in the very beginning of each podcast. We're not advocating everyone to go and have an open relationship and have sex with any, anybody and everybody. But we're not advocating you have to do it one way. And if, you really, if you're really serious, you have to be monogamous. No. If you want to go and explore and be sexually curious and connect with people for different reasons, you should have the right to. If you do not want to have sex and you want to connect with people without sex, you should have the right to. And if we're going to be in relationship with each other, we both as individuals have the right to grow and to change. And if we love each other, we should be able to have that conversation and understand that just because we liked it this way 10 years ago does not mean we're going to like it today. And if we're trying to be in each other's lives as loving, supportive people, we have to understand that change will occur and we shouldn't be so rigid about making someone be a certain way beyond what they want to do to a contractual obligation they made at a time when that they felt that was the best yeah um you know and my uh you know i think that where it finally clicked with me that i have no choice but to actually get through these you know whatever legacy roles or the fears the blocks that I carry with me is when you know it became super clear that I have to support our daughters right I have to support them they will run into these particular situations because we raise our kids to be who they want to be and I think that you know naturally if you raise people to be who they want to be and to explore they will start running into situations where they like multiple people right 
or were they were they were their were their growth brings them face to face to what society thinks is not appropriate. Yeah. And you know, especially yeah. for women, society is really a patriarchal society. And these traditions, they hide it under traditions, make it to where a woman should just be with one person. And a man should be too. But if you're not, you know, we'll forgive you because, you know. Um, And so if you want to be anything but a straight, monogamous, married woman when you're grown, you're going to come up against resistance. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it's very clear to me that I'm responsible for finally breaking this loop in my family. You know, it goes, it, it passes itself through women. And if I continue being uh, uncomfortable with my own desires, needs, and behavior, then that passes on to our kids. And that passes on to our daughters, and then they will have a hard time dealing with that. So, you know, once I understood that, then my personal discomfort with telling the truth or, you know, being truthful with myself about what I want, uh, all of a sudden became just another obstacle that I have to overcome because, you know, now it's not just my preference or, uh, you know, how you and I build our relationship, but it's what we pass on to our kids. Right. And big things for on. So all this ties in, the legacy stuff ties into closed state and open state as well um closed state keeps you where you are and keeps you in your legacy and finds a way to justify why you should be there open state goes i'm not sure if this is right for me maybe it is but let me research let me explore let me be curious let me listen to myself and see and let me not respond to my discomforts in a way that makes me want to run away from what's uncomfortable Right. Like, let me actually turn forward to it and deal with it and learn about it and then make a calm decision whether or not I'm still uncomfortable and why. Right. And that's the real real. And I think on that note, we're going to get into love language and stuff like that. We'll save that for another episode. But we want to thank you guys for listening. If you like, 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 like this podcast, um, and you're listening to it on iTunes or whatever, rate it, leave a comment. All that stuff is very helpful. We're starting to do these on video, as you see. Um, if you like it and you're on YouTube, share it with somebody. Just share one person every now and then. It helps. Trust me, we're finding out that there are more and more people who need to hear a voice from this perspective. And it's not there. Or they can't find it. We need as many messengers speaking this message of empowered truth and growth um, as we can because you know different students need different teachers different people need different messengers and just to know that there is an outlet just you know to have a conversation yes you know like we have friends that will be in the middle of some breakup or whatever it is and just the fact that they can come to us and you know have a quick summary of hey here's what happened what do you think and we're just there to listen you usually it's like you know, go into therapy, you usually don't even need to hear what the therapist tells you, just the fact that you can share and have someone who's not going to judge. Yeah. 
So that's here. And so this is episode 36, the Black Russian Podcast. Tianbu Kuan. And I am Yula. This is Christmas Eve. We're recording this. Oh my God. You do not have any Christmas attire on. Neither do I. I do. But I have festive Wu-Tang turquoise on and stuff. And you have your daily gratitude shirt on. So we'll do our gratefuls. You know, and um, so many things to be grateful for. Um, I'm grateful for having the most unique um, kids who are who are just exploring themselves right now, and us being able to give them the space to explore with support from the back, and not freaking out when they go up and down and face plan or all around or lose their ish. Because, um, you know, it's very hard for parents sometimes to not want to dive in and save everything. You know, want to be able to give them room to figure it out. And I like, it's just amazing to see how they grow and which directions they go. And I've never been able to predict it. Yeah. No, I mean, all of it is, is uh, cool. I'm grateful that the year is ending and it's almost time to write our out of 2018. I just remembered the other day that most likely I never wrote out of 2017 into 2018, but I could have, could have never predicted yeah. how 2018 went. Neither did you, I'm sure. You, we, uh, we, do, we think about it every year and we can never predict what the next year is going to hold. I mean, this is talk about impermanence is real. Like You just have no idea. I mean, but this one I'm really grateful for us being here and going through what we went through uh, and being bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and learning from it. And ready to go into the next year, yes. And I'm definitely grateful for everybody in our immediate family being in good health, you know, good functioning health. All of our parents are functioning, upright, walking, talking, being silly. Um, You know, our children are healthy. You know, we are pretty healthy. (laughs) Feeling pretty healthy. And, um, you know, that's, it's the little things like that. It's just health sometimes, you know. I hate ability to hang out here and record the podcast and then go down to LA for a few days and Mm -hmm. hang out with two of the three kids um yeah it's all good yep and my final one is grateful for you guys who take the time to listen and embrace the messages that are coming through us um it's amazing it's always there's people listening that we find out all the time that we would have no idea who and people who are benefiting from us rambling um in ways that we hoped but it's really amazing and it's cool because you know it's not just a podcast about some arbitrary fun stuff you know which is great but this is something that is deeply transformational um, and very very important to a lot of us to have someone to talk to about these things so being able to be in a position where the things that we just nerd out on is something that happens to be one of the most um, enriching things to someone who's really open ready to just be in this space it's amazing so thank you guys if you are listening and you are or are you are watching or you are watching thank you thank you thank you this is really fun um and we learn a lot from talking this much about shit too this is not like we're not just thinking we know all the shit this stuff comes through us and we learn it 
we forget it, we learn it, we forget it, we learn it, so we appreciate it. Yep. Like he said. It's what it is. Enjoy your happy Mary, whatever you have. And into the next. I'm looking to become king Though my duality It have me chasing hunting But the physical pleasure then And though the real treasure Them only spiritually measure them